I want to make the player play better using my music. I go out into the marketplace and I curate boxes, hair care and skincare brands. It saves our subscribers time, saves them money. I decided I should come up with something that could assist mothers, grandmothers, fathers, and whomever covering their car seats. I'm Richard Gerhardt. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhardt. You just heard some snippets from our show. It was a great one. So stay tuned for the rest. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, an intellectual property lawyer specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart. I work for Gearhart Law doing marketing, not a lawyer. Uh, and I have my own startup. Welcome to Passage to Profit, the road to entrepreneurship, where we speak with innovators, entrepreneurs, and discuss the intellectual property that makes them flourish. We have an extraordinary guest, Christian Butner, the fat rat. Literally, he's a composer of gaming music and dance music. He's got some incredible stuff. I've listened to it. You have to hear him talk about his music and his copyright strategy. And then we have Dana Hill Robinson with Coco Tea, which is very cool. It's a subscription box, which I love those. So I'm going to let her tell you all about it. And Teresa Davis with Cover Me Clean. She is the queen of clean. Her product is amazing, especially if you have kids. And before we get started, I would like our listeners to know that we're taping in front of a live audience. Samantha is joining us. She's from Chatham High School. She's doing an internship at Gerhardt Law. So we thought we'd invite her to uh, participate in the show. Say hello, Samantha. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much. We always do better before a live audience. But before we get to our distinguished guests, I would like to start with IP in the news. If GoDaddy has a domain name, for sale and is auctioning it off and you buy it, does that mean you can automatically use it? That's a trick question. That is a trick question. You better see if somebody has trademarked it in the class of goods you want to use, especially if it's a famous trademark too, then you may have just wasted a lot of money. The author of the article points out that Frisbees was a domain name that was recently put up for auction. On GoDaddy, Frisbees.com. Frisbees.com. And I guess somebody bought it, but they didn't make it known that the term Frisbee is a trademark owned by the Whammo company. And so trademarks and domain names are closely related. And lots of times you want to check both the availability of the trade name as well as the domain name. Right. So the author of this was Andrew Alleman, and we found it in DomainNameWire.com. And I actually kind of ran into this when I looked up Fireside Directory for my startup and I didn't buy it, FiresideDirectory.com. I didn't buy it and a troll bought it. So if you are going to look up a domain name, it's only 12 bucks a year buy it. But now I'm trying to get a trademark on it. And they still may be able to use it because there's something in trademark law that Richard knows about that I can't talk about because I'm not an attorney, where it's the classification you use is important. Right. And so the interesting thing is that you could potentially use the domain name frisbees.com if you were like an accounting firm and you wanted to call yourself the Frisbees accounting firm. So the trademark law doesn't just register the name, it registers the classification of goods that the mark falls within. And there are 80 some classifications. And so the law is very clear that you can use the same name, but if they're in different channels of trade and they're for different types of products, then you can use the same name for two different organizations because it's unlikely that customers would be confused. Now, obviously, if you have the Frisbees dot com domain name and you're selling frisbees and you're not whammo then you would be in trouble but you could buy the domain name for some other purpose but what about if it's a really famous well, that would, if it's a famous mark it gets even more protection. We were involved in a case recently arguing against the Cognac Makers Association. And even the word Cognac is not considered a famous name. It's a territorial designation from a region in France where the Cognac is made. And so they have trademark rights. But the fact is, is that Cognac, even though it's widely known, is not considered a famous name. Same thing with champagne. 
Now, those marks are considered strong marks because they are well-known, but they're not famous marks. And so the scope of protection for a trademark depends a bit on how well-known it is. So that's why, for instance, if you go look at hair colors, you can find champagne blanc because they can use champagne for hair color. Right. And with the designations, there's no classification, really. I didn't give something away there when I said that, did I? (laughs) <laughs> no, you are looking at that for your mother in the nursing home, right? Who likes to color your hair. Her hair. Oops, that was Whoops. a Freudian slip there, I guess. Anyway, enough of that. It's time to go to Richard's Roundtable and get the opinions of our guests. So, Christian, welcome to the show. Very nice to have you. What do you think about all this stuff? Domain names, trademarks, just riff on it, man. Uh, yeah, I find this quite interesting. Do you know what really makes a trademark famous? That's a great question. And there aren't any clear guidelines. It's kind of a know it when you see it standard that's used by the trademark office. Some designations have been trying to argue for famous status for years, yet the trademark trial and appeal courts just decide not to give it to them. So So it's more of a subjective thing then. Yeah. Yeah. I also wonder how that ended, but it's interesting because I, in the beginning, when you told the story, I, I felt like, oh my God, this is really kind of sad if you buy a domain name and uh, you don't realize that there is a trademark on it, but it's a great workaround. I think, I don't know if it's in the US, it's the same. I know in Europe, it's those NHTSA classes, uh-huh. the different uh, classes that you can register a trademark on. So if you are in a different category, you can still save it. So that's a great workaround. So it's harder to take it away from you in that case then. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of conflicts. There's lots of domain name pirates. For example, somebody offered to sell us the gearhart.com domain name and they didn't even own it so they were going to go out and find out who owned it and then charge us a fee for buying it you know and there's lots of gear hearts out there i don't know which one this was i think it was a german automobile manufacturer maybe bmw or something like that at the very beginning of the internet i know that somebody claimed the domain before bmw had it and then they wanted it and then the guy who had the domain said yeah i was just keeping this for you um (laughs) saving it for you uh so you can have it for like 1.5 million uh, (laughs) so bmw they just took the letter and they just transferred it without any issues then i was approached early in my gearheart law days by somebody who had the scheme that they were going to buy up all of the popular domain names from big companies in india and he wanted to know (laughs) if i wanted to help him out on that (laughs) yeah anyway dana what are your thoughts on all of this? Well, actually, it hits close to home. Um, I had a situation when I first, when I launched Cocotique and got the trademark for Cocotique and business was running fine. And all of a sudden we get this letter and I can't say what company it was, but because of that company, we are not able, when you talk about the different classifications, we're not able to do a Cocotique cosmetic line. We can, oh, really? we can do our subscription box um, you know, gift boxes, and that's not a problem, but we cannot do a makeup line. So, you know, here we are nine years in, I'd love to do a makeup line or cosmetics line, <laughs> <Of course. laughs> but if I do, you know, it has to be under a different name. So you live and you learn. You live and you learn. <laughs> Kenya, what do you Yeah, think? I was just going to say, I learned a lot today because I wouldn't have thought that way. Now, one thing I think this does is it does throw a wrench in the game for all the website hustlers that are out there selling domains, because technically, if you sell somebody a domain and you can't use it down the road, then it's kind of not good. So I like that we're having this conversation because I think looking into the name search is often an afterthought and not the first thing that we do before we go and make an investment in a website name that we might not even be able to use down the road. It's a complicated process. I was just going to say companies might come up with 20 or 30 names that they think might be good to start with and then like do trademark searches and all of that. You kind of got to go back and forth. Anyway, we'll be back with more Passage to Profit right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you 
you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We have an extraordinary guest, Christian Butner, the fat rat. Literally, he's a composer of gaming music and dance music. He's got some incredible stuff. I've listened to it. You have to hear him talk about his music and his copyright strategy. Christian, welcome to the show. You're an incredible composer and created some beautiful music for gaming and also dance music, too. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? My main source of inspiration is pretty much my entire life, very much my childhood, where I spent so much time playing video games simply and also listening to classical music. So when I started music, originally I wanted to become a conductor. And when you want to become a conductor and you want to study it, there are like 300 people for one place in the university applying to it. So pretty much what you have to do is you have to learn everything. So I spend like four to six hours every day learning piano, learning how to write music and all those things. But then I realized that it's not really creative enough for me, like conducting music because you only play other people's music. That's why I thought, okay, what would be more creative way to make music? And I, I, I realized it would be music production. The video game aspect came in later. And mm-hmm. it wasn't even planned. It just kind of came to me when I released my very own music. But this orchestra background is still very much an inspiration for me. I guess listening to your music, I can hear the classical elements in it. There's a fluidity to a lot of the music that I've heard, and it could be classically inspired. How much do you think the music contributes to the gaming experience for the player? I think that depends a little bit on the game. There are like more storytelling games where the music is very, very essential to actually deliver the emotion that you're having. What I also made some music for was like more competitive games. And I had a different approach there because I was playing some competitive games for quite a while. And I had this one was a first person shooter. And my brother, he had a playlist where he had 15 different versions, I think, of this song. uh, I love you, baby. And if it's quite all right, this song had like 15 (laughs) different versions of it. So I would just put on the playlist and I realized that it was playing really good and it was playing so much better. And then I played on my own computer where I didn't have the playlist without any of that background music. I played a lot worse. So when I started making music for competitive games, I thought, okay, I'm going to give it a different approach, which was I want to make the player play better using my music. For example, you have this music that plays when your character dies and you have to wait for the character to respawn. So in every music, usually always the music is very sad. Your character is dead, so it's just like devastating music. So I thought, okay, maybe let's do it differently because you're already feeling bad. Your character just died and it's a competitive game. You don't have to make it worse <laughs> through the music. But still, it, it had to fit. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to live like two or five seconds of like some explosion sounds and like, okay, this is bad. And then give some like magical recovering music where like, oh, cool. I still want to keep playing. So yeah, those are kind of two different aspects of music and video games, I think. So the one is like, emphasizing the emotion that you have and the other one is like especially when it comes to competitive gaming is like supporting the player's emotion and supporting the mindset of the player well i have to agree so i bought a meta headset and i've been playing in the vr world but what i've mostly done is the exercise ones and i cannot imagine those without music you're like boxing you're like hitting these things that explode with these baseball bats it's really a great stress reliever, but there's a coach and there's always music. And so like, you're doing it to the music and the music keeps you going. Like you're getting tired and it picks you up and keeps you doing it. So I could see how in a video game, you could really tie that music into the adventure. And we did listen to some of your short clips of the music that you put with these video games. And it really was emotion provoking for me. It was just very beautiful and the music enhanced it amazingly. We were both listening to different tracks at the same time. We, so. we were on Zoom with each other. But let, let me ask you a question. Does the music really follow the story and follow the action that's happening? 
making? Most of the music I'm making, I'm not making it specifically for the video game. So what I'm doing is licensing music that I already have that was not specifically written for a video game into a video game. This is my main business. I'm just making music. And that's how I started. For 10 years, I was just producing music for other artists, been on the Billboard charts, like with different artists and did all kinds of things. And then I thought, okay, I'm just going to start my very own business, do my own artist thing. And then it blew up in the gaming community. So I just put out music myself, released it independently without a record label, which from a business side was very, very important for me. I had no record company involved. And then it just, the gaming community, they picked it up and they used it. And so many games came to me and say, like, said, like, because it was so popular in the gaming community, said, we want to license your music. So there was only one case, which was Dota 2, one of the, the most popular games in the world, where they uh, asked me to make music specifically for the game. And there you simply, you have a, a basically like a track list where it's like, okay, you have the title screen, you have the select your character, you have waiting for the game and so on and so forth. And you, so you just make music for every of those tracks, basically for the, those different situations. And then the game kind of knows which situation the player is in. So we have to take a commercial break, but we'll be back with Christian Buchner, AKA the fat rat right after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We have Christian Bootner, composer of gaming music and dance music. And Kenya, you had a question. I do. I want to say first, I think it's incredible what you've been able to do without a record label, right? I saw some of your work has amassed 2 billion streams, which is bigger than some music artist records that are out there and just curious like what is your creative process like the first thing for me is just to have one idea that i really like so i would just sit down in the studio and just make one song every day and sometimes that goes for like two weeks sometimes it goes for two months and it's just song after song after song after song after song after until i have something where like oh wow this is really really outstanding then i try to work with this idea and turn this idea into a song which also sometimes may take one to two months so some songs i've worked on for five months in a row which is kind of ridiculous if you think about because you end up with like three minutes of music and that was one of the luxuries for me though have nobody having nobody else on wall because when you have a record label, when you have people around you, people get crazy when you work so long on just one single song. But since there's nobody telling me anything, what I have to do, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stay on the song until I, I think it's really 100% on point. So your music is digitally produced, right? So what do you use? to make your music? I've always worked in the box uh, just on a laptop. So it's just a MacBook Pro with tons and tons of software and sample. And what's great today is, of course, sometimes I need like real instruments and I just pre-produce it in the computer. And then I have some people where I send it to. I'm like, okay, I want those string sections to be recorded. They recorded, sent me back the files. So I'm also independent from any like studio locations. That's amazing. That's just really incredible. And billions of streams. I mean, that's also just incredible. You mentioned that you had a particular copyright strategy. Yes. So because I worked for record companies for like 10 years and they are very restrictive of their IP. So when I put out my very own music, nobody else was involved. I just let people use it for whatever they wanted to create it with it. I didn't copyright claim it on YouTube. Also, I had some app developers contacting me, just one single guy, you know, like, hey, I'm making this mobile game. Can I use your music? And they were asking 
how can I license your music? And was just, hey, just use it. You know, it's it's for free. I don't care because I'm making it for the art, not for the money. But what was so funny is that it was such a good business model because after doing this for a couple of years, some fans in me, I'm saying like, hey, this is this huge app with like 100 million downloads. It's there. Your music is all over it. And it's like a music rhythm game where the music is a very fundamental piece of it. So I hit up the app. I was like, hey, um, did we ever talk about you using my music? And they were like, yeah, we have this Instagram message, which is like two years old where you said, yeah, you can use the music. <laughs> so I said like, hey, it's okay. <laughs> that's cool. You can keep using it for three months for free still. You have like over 100 million downloads now. So you're pretty big now. So if you want to keep using it after those three months, would be cool if you would pay me something, if we could agree on a price. And they were like, yeah, of course, because your music really helped our game to grow. And so they're licensing dozens of my songs now. They have like 2 billion downloads in mobile games now. And I have tons of those situations. So it's a big revenue stream for me now is licensing my music into games, which started by letting people use it for free. There's a lot to be said for doing it for the you're a leader in the independent music community on expert on how technology has changed the music business. Do you coach other people at all on that, on using technology in their music business? I've been very vocal about how I'm doing things. Very important aspect of this licensing, for example, is not having a record company involved. It's even because you have the record company for the recording and you have publishers for the composition. So we would have a situation where we'd have like 10 songs licensed for one year, each for $10,000. And on one song, there's one writer who wrote like 20% of it with a publisher involved who owns like 10% of those 20%. So it's like 2% of one song out of 10. So it's like 0.2%. So they're getting like $200. For me, it's like 100K. But this publisher has to agree to the deal. And if you're chasing a major publishing company about $200 making a deal, the email response time is kind of, it's like measured in decades, if you will, right? So it's really hard. <laughs> so for me, it's really key on a, on a business level to control the songs 100% have as little people involved as possible. For example, like, you know, letting people use it for free or doing really fast licensing. So those are the main component for me business-wise. And I'm, yeah, I'm talking about this a lot. When, whenever I would talk to other producers, whenever I talk to on panels and all those things, music producers, all they think about is new synthesizers and new compressors, compression and digital audio workstations and all those things. And then music theory, of course, and what's the latest trend and all those things. And now you also have to get involved into the business side. And a lot of people I talk to, they're like artists. I talk, they're like, you know, what I'm not interested in this business side. I'm not interested in agreements. And that's always where I almost want to scream at them. <laughs> you have to. This is so important for your art, for your artistic career, not only for money, but also for your art that you control your creation. And just getting artists into the business aspect of music, that's kind of the hardest part. You know, it almost seems like a self-esteem issue. If you're creating something and somebody is taking it from you and you're not getting credit for it, whether it's financial credit or whatever kind of credit is meaningful, then it's diminishing. Yeah, I'm working really close with my wife. She's managing me and she's running the business together with me. And we're working on something as well, which is like an academy. It's not very far at the moment, but it's really important. It's not about the business. It's just about helping other people. An academy for artists, how to run your own business so you don't have to rely on so many other people. Where's the best place to find you if people wanted to reach out? You can find it on my YouTube channel you can okay. find all the in the description you find the emails and stuff so i really really am curious to find out how you got the name the fat rat <laughs> just the, <laughs> my nickname in school where people bullied me with uh so i just use it as an online name but in the end i decided to wear it with pride but i must admit when i started releasing my first songs as an artist calling myself the fat rat i used this as an online name in video games for 10 years before I never thought, because I was just uploading three songs to SoundCloud, okay, I never thought that I would have like 10 million followers following that brand name. Maybe I would have taken different choice, but it was a name that always stuck with me, so yeah. Anyway, we have to take a break. I hope you'll stay with us. Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt, Kenny Gibson, and also Christian Bootner, the fat rat composer extraordinaire. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years. 
hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our special guest, Christian Bootner. If you missed his entire interview, definitely need to pick up our podcast, which will be available tomorrow. So make sure you check out podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. It is now time for us to go to Power Move. So Kenya. So on Power Move, we're going to feature Dak Prescott. He is a football player for the Dallas Cowboys and one of the recent athlete backers of a Plano fitness system startup called Oxfit. And the really cool thing about Oxfit, it's a smart gym where it brings advanced robotics and artificial intelligence into the world of strength training. So he and other athletes have join forces to raise over $35 million and they're going to bring this thing to life. Well, with the name oxygen, I'm wondering if it's going to be measuring your oxygen levels during your workout and telling you what you need to adjust. Kenya's a trainer, so she'll probably be one of the first test subjects, right? I would give it a whirl. <laughs> well, that's great. So Elizabeth. Fireside. It's so, time for Fireside. For those of you who don't know, Fireside is a video directory of small businesses. I've been doing a lot of the interviews myself. I got some really great advice from my peer advisory board on a way to increase the interview frequency using help because I can't do them on myself. And I have a special formula I use that helps with SEO with the videos, but I kind of let it lull for a while because I got stuck on my website, but I feel like I'm ready to really move forward again. So that's great. And for anybody listening, doing fireside with Elizabeth is a once in a lifetime experience. (laughs) We get so many compliments. on her interviewing prowess that it's something that you really need to experience and do and you'll have a wonderful record of what's been happening at your business. I say I'm the bread that holds the cheese or the cracker that holds the cheese. You're the cheese. I'm just there to support you. So I let the business owners do most of the talking, but I do ask some questions that I think prospective clients would ask. That's right. That's right. And that's the power of fireside. So now I am so happy to introduce Dana Hill Robinson with Coco Teak. She has an amazing business. So Dana, please tell us all about it. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Coco Teak is a deluxe beauty box subscription service targeted to women of color. And we're all about self-care and curating products that will pamper you from head to toe. I go out into the marketplace and I curate boxes. We have probably about five to eight full-size and travel-size products from all different brands, hair care and skincare brands. So what it does, it saves our subscribers time, saves them money from, you know, going into stores and really not knowing what products to get, what's going to work for them. And it's a way for them to know that the products they're receiving have been tested by me and my team and they're Cocotique approved. And everything is catered specifically for their skin concerns and their hair concerns. You know, with women of color, you know, with textured hair, you know, there's certain products that work best for us. For so long, we were underserved in the retail marketplace. And this is a way for them to be seen and to feel comfortable knowing that these products were chosen just for them. Well, I loved a couple of the things that you said there. One, you've tested everything on yourself. So you're not sending people yes. stuff that you haven't tested, which I think is really important. And then number two, the travel size stuff, that is so hard to find. Oh my yes. gosh. Like, and you don't want to take, I mean, especially if you're flying, you can only take little, little tiny bits, but even if you're driving, you don't want your cosmetic box to take up the whole trunk. Right? Well, actually my subscribers, they actually want full size products. That's kind of what the sweet spot is with Cocotique. They love getting what we call our takeover boxes, which could be a whole range. For example, we had a Urban Hydration, which is a clean beauty hair care and skincare line. And just this year, we've had two takeover boxes with them. Our last April box had five full-size hair care products. And our February box had a five, it was five or six skincare products. 
And so they love being able to try all the products from the collection. And it's a great marketing tool for brands as well. So for them, it's like a one month advertising campaign where the customer actually gets to try the products versus just seeing an ad in a magazine or on a billboard or something. Excellent. So Kenya, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I love this because I have a million products underneath my cabinet that I just, everything is trial and error. So the fact that you're taking the guesswork out of these products and people are being comfortable with what your recommendations are is helpful because we try a lot of things to default. I'm just Mm -hmm. curious what that's like, right? So how long do you typically try a product before you're like, okay, this is good. I think we should help this go to market. Well, it depends. I mean, I may just, for example, wash my hair with the product. I'm only going to wash it one time. I don't try it for months on end or anything like that. Usually just, you know, depending on what the product is, but I want to make sure there's not going to be, and everybody has different allergic reactions, but I try to stay away from any products that have toxic ingredients. I do pay close attention to what's inside the product because your body absorbs 80% of what you're going to put on it and through your scalp and also on your skin. And I'm all about maintaining our health and talking about the importance of that to our community. Christian, did you have a question? I think it's such a great idea, this personal connection. Do you stand behind the brand with your face? I do. I'm on the website. I'm also on social media, IG Lives with some of our brand partners and brand ambassadors. So I'm very much a face of the brand. And each month inside the box, there's a card. It's a breakdown of all the products on the card. And there's a message from me on the front. And I always like to include positive words, positive affirmations to go along with that for the month. It's like you're getting a specially curated present from me each month. And that's what people say. That's what their subscribers say. It's like getting, opening up a present each month. You know, a lot of them say, oh my God, I'll see a message where they'll say, oh, this is just what I needed for this month. How did you know? (laughs) So I love it. Creating a personal connection with your customers, maybe somebody that you've never met in person. I mean, how does that happen? How do you create that relationship with a customer? We really listen to our customers. So we listen to their messages on social media and we make sure that we reply with a personal answer, not just a canned message. We also communicate a lot through email marketing. So we send out three or four emails a week. Every Sunday is our self-care Sunday email, which is my positive affirmation for the week. So again, it's all about that communication. I'll give you a perfect example. You know, there was a time once when we were running late with a shipment. So instead of just shipping it late, we sent out an email in advance to let them know, hey, there was a problem with the delivery with the products to the warehouse. So this month, the box is going to be late. They're happy to get that. They appreciate that instead of just getting the box late. And they let us know and they send us a thank you for, you know, just letting us know that. So, you know, it's just about open communication. You know, it's that saying, you know, I treat them the way I want to be treated. I definitely keep that in mind. I don't include products in the box that I wouldn't use. And I just make sure that, you know, if there's ever a problem that I let them know well in advance, because that's what I would want to know too. How many customers do you have and how are you promoting this? How are you reaching people? We have a base of 4,000 subscribers and we reach them through email. We reach them on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, but email marketing is great because that's reaching our full list of current and past customers. Do you do any video marketing? Yes, we do. We use a lot of video ads for our Facebook and Instagram ads. I'm just curious to know some of your top boxes. They love just about everything. I can tell you what they don't love. They really don't love anything that's like tiny products, (laughs) like tiny samples. It's funny to me, you know, when I read the reviews, someone will say, oh, you know, we're so excited. The box was so heavy, you know, so they're commenting more on the weight of the box versus actually what's inside the box. (laughs) But, you know, in terms of favorite categories, it's a blessing that everything, hair care, skin care, fragrance, nail polish, everything, they want everything because, you know, it's so hard to go into a store. You don't know what to buy. So I just help them to simplify and basically lead them in the right direction of different products that could work for them. So what does the box cost or is it the same each month or does it vary? It's the same each month. It's um, $30.99. Shipping is free for subscriptions. Now we also offer limited edition boxes and we offer past boxes in our shop on the website. And if you buy one of those boxes, then there is shipping $7.50. Do people buy this just from your website or you on Amazon or anywhere else? We are on Amazon as well. We were actually one of the first boxes that they were testing 
on the uh, subscription marketplace. And we do very well in there as well. And also we do on our websites, on our blog, we do inside the brand features with the brands that are inside the box. So they're able to get a Q&A with the brand and learn more about the products and also talk about ingredients and you know why these products are good for you. And also able to talk about different products that are part of their product line that aren't in the box. It's a great discovery tool. Dana Hill Robinson with Coco Teague, Passage to Profit on WOR 710, the voice of New York. We will be right back after this message. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, Product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G E A R H A R T L A W. Com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Now we have Teresa Davis, who is a Gearhart Law client. And you know what, Teresa? I wish when my kids were little that your product existed because this is amazing. She has Cover Me Clean, Queen of Clean. And um, Teresa, please tell us what you have and how you came up with it. My name is Teresa Davis. I am the inventor and founder of Cover Me Clean LLC. I am a U.S.-based business. I am located in Denver, Colorado. I am currently trying to expand into the international market. I'm registered in 20 plus countries with the European Union, China, as well as Africa and India being a part of those countries that I am registered. Cover Me Clean is a disposable, washable car seat cover or seat cover or a variety of seat covers. You can use them for your child car seats, of course, also for your seating around your home, U-Haul. Say like you go to U-Haul and you buy the plastic covering for the seats in order to transport your furniture, you can use Cover Me Clean. One cover covers it all. I love the fact that they are disposable, so they're toss and go. Cover Me Clean, as I said, is a variety of disposable seat covers. Basically, what it is, is that with the child car seat, it has the six harness openings. It is a gathered edge here in order to fit the car seat perfectly. Teresa has a car seat that has a cover on it and that's disposable. And the product extends not just to car seats for kids. So do you have different size products and different types? And how do they attach to the car seats? It has an elastic gathered edge. So whenever you place it on the car seat, it fits according to that car seat. When you're talking about wheelchairs or regular seating, same thing, it has the gathered edges where it will fit the actual seat. And are these disposable or reusable? They're disposable and reusable. You get three washes out of them and then you can dispose of them or you can dispose of them right away. They come three to a pack. We have a variation of sizes. So you have your small, medium, and large. And so whenever you decide you want to toss it, you can. You just toss and go or you can just wash it a couple of times and reuse it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at this car seat that you have behind you covered with this green plastic looking material that looks pretty light. And I'm thinking of the time that my son was sitting in the back seat of the car with some bubbles in a little bubble thing and spilled the whole thing <laughs> of bubbles all over himself in the car seat. And, you know, getting concentrated soap, like soap bubbles out of the car seat <laughs> took me forever. I would have loved to have one of these, that, you know, the car trips, the McDonald's, the everywhere. I mean, this is an amazing product. I think it's very ingenious. I need this for myself. Yes, when I'm eating do. that Big Mac and I'm driving down the road, I can no. wash my pants, but it's much harder no. to get the grease off my driver's seat. He needs this for driving home after he works out, after he does these marathons and stuff, because I'll tell you, we need something disposable to go on that car seat when he's 
after that. But just because my car is a little aromatic doesn't mean that I need a car. <laughs> this would help a lot to make you more popular with other people. Anyway, Kenya, <laughs> is do you that have... why you never want to drive in my car? Just be honest. <laughs> we always take mine. Kenya, do you have anything to say? <laughs> I was just say, Elizabeth, you're brave with the bubbles in the back seat with the kid. Right? <laughs> brave or crazy. Well, I'm just curious, Teresa, what inspired you to create this product? Being a mother and a grandmother. And then also, like I explained to Elizabeth, after working a decade and a half with the Department of Homeland Security and being in an airport environment where there's 100,000 to millions of travelers throughout the year, depending on what the season is, and seeing the parents come in with their car seats and they're needing to be inspected so to speak. And they would come over and they asked, well, do you all have bags that we could place the car seats in, in order to cover them, to protect them? And like, no, we, we don't have any bags. Maybe you can air, you know, ask the airlines. So they would go to the airlines. And of course, some of them were generous enough to give them these covers for a period of time until it started to be a little bit expensive. And so I decided, you know, I should come up with something that could assist mothers, grandmothers, fathers, and whomever covering their car seats and still have access for the agents to be able to inspect them without having to remove them out of these huge bags. So there's no unzipping. There's nothing to put it in and take it out of. You just plop it on the car seat, drop it off and leave. The agent has access here with all the points that they need to check in order to clear that item, get it down to where it needs to go to end up on the flight. And the car seat is completely clear of uh, the pollutants and debris and grime. Well, that's pretty clever, Teresa, because you're combining your TSA experience with your invention and and making it user-friendly for travelers. Uh, Christian? I just wish I had one of those. We recently sold our car. Most of it looked pretty good, but the one seat where our daughter was sitting from age two to age six, it looked like a battlefield. So so, so this would have saved us. I want one for a regular airline seat because you know those have got to be gross. Like you and I were talking about this yesterday, right? I've seen those. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And you know, some of the experiences we've had, our last flight, there was a young child and, and she did wonderful on this, you know, on her flight and everything. But towards the end, she got a little sick. And I'm telling you, the parents were scrambling, trying to clean it up and trying to get, you know, everything in place. Well, if they had covered me clean, they wouldn't have to worry about that. Right. And they're easy to transport to. You just take out another one, throw it on the seat. It's one less thing that the parents have to carry or grandparents. You can bold it up and put it in your purse or in a carry-on and you don't have to worry about it. You can have two or three of these in your purse or in your carry-on or in your glove box and just take them and replace them. Right. As people are starting to move around and travel again and do car trips and airplane rides, they're going to need these. Do you have a lot of them in stock on your website for people to buy? I do. I have them on my website as well as on Amazon. And just recently, I'll be up and running here shortly with Walmart Marketplace. Oh, Oh, congratulations. What are your marketing plans going forward for Cover Me Clean? Global expansion, um, as I mentioned, a lot of my customer base is actually coming from out of the country. I'm getting so many inquiries right now, and I'm unable to serve them until after I complete my global trade expansion deal with the SBA. So as soon as I'm completed with that, then I'll be able to go on and, and tap into that market. The Global Trade Department, they will actually give you counselors that will assist you with uh, making the transition to start exporting or importing. They are a great asset because they have the programs in place that will assist you with even some of the funding that you may need in order to make those connections. And so they have a platform already put in place that you can basically just plug and play. Wow, that's really awesome. That's really great. And do you recall where a listener could find information about this program? SBA.gov. 
sba.gov. And people can go to your website, covermeclean.com to find these, right? Absolutely. You can go to covermeclean.com and you can find them. You can even go on to all of the platforms, which are Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, as well as YouTube. How much do they cost? The three packs small are going to cost you $32.99. The three pack medium are $36 and the three pack large are $40. 99. And you can also buy them individually. So if you bought, just say like you just wanted one, you can buy them at $17.99 for the small, $19.99 for the medium, and $21.99 for the large. Well, that's a pretty good price. I don't know what car seats cost these days, but <laughs> I know, I know how much time it takes to clean up if you <laughs> yeah. don't have one. And yeah. that is that yeah. in and of itself. Thank you, Teresa. Passage to Profit, Road to Entrepreneurship with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest. Christian Mutinet. I guess we call him the fat rat and you can find him on YouTube. So we will be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. We have had such a fun show so far. I think it's been great. Great I've people. To, I, I, I get to talk and make bad jokes. I've been having the time <laughs> of my life. <laughs> but, but now the people that joined us, Christian Butner, Daniel Hill Robinson, Teresa Davis, of course, our media maven coach, Kenya, We're all just going to have a little chat and ask any questions that didn't get asked. But Richard and I have a special question for people, too, so you can get to know them a little better. I can't take credit for this. I'm not the inventor of this question. So, Elizabeth, why don't you go ahead and ask the question? Okay, Christian, since you're our guest, you get to go first. So the question is, who is your favorite cartoon character growing up? Growing up, I think it was Darkwing Duck. Does anybody anybody know that? I'm familiar with Darkwing Duck. Yes. Okay. So I didn't even know it was called like that in the US. So yeah, but uh, apparently it is. Yeah. I just loved it. That that vampire duck that that, uh, was, I think, vegetarian or vegan and just ate broccoli. It was funny. It was a funny cartoon. Yeah. Really, really funny. Kenya, who was your favorite cartoon character? So mine was the Smurfs. I lived. You were a Smurf person. I was a Smurf. I was a Smurf kid, and I had the little um, TV tray, and used to sit there on Saturday mornings and go crazy with the Smurfs. And they actually had really great music. Now that I think of it, in that cartoon, by the way, just think about what Christian does. You know the music part, but yeah, the Smurfs had quite the score. I guess your new radio name should be Smurf Maven or something like that. I could. I would totally go with. I would totally go with Smurfette. (laughs) <laughs> the Smurf hat. Okay. Well, we have to be careful of trademark infringement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to do a search on that first. Right. What about you, Dana? Who's your favorite? Mine was Kimba the White Lion because I love cats. And just my first, when I was a little girl, I had a, a cat named Kimba and just recently got a cat this fall. And it's Kim. His name is Kimba too. So, and I just love that cartoon. Yeah, it's Kimba Junior now. <laughs> Kimba the second. He's a Bengal, so he's definitely oh. fits the name fits him well. Oh, but, yeah. nice. Well, you, I, mean, I love cats too. Who was your favorite cartoon character, Richard? Mine was Tiny Tove. Tiny Tove. What the heck is that? I, that was in Chicago area. <laughs> 
and what it was, it was this, I watched this program for years and I had no idea what they were talking about. It was this little guy that would jump around and teach lessons from the Old Testament. I was watching this. I was watching Tiny Tove and, you know, he was like this little, <laughs> this little fake guy. Okay, leave it up to you. <laughs> and I, it was my favorite. I mean, that's so, just, the, you know. So, here's so I, that was not in Seattle where I grew up, but yeah. my favorite was Bugs Bunny. I mean, he was such a smart aleck. I mean, you know what? Nobody could bother him. Like, he, he would just turn the tables back on him. So I, I really admired him. Well, I thought he was very good. Well, we're going to get you a life-size poster of Bugs Bunny now for your birthday coming up. Just what you always wanted. You should get it for Valentine's Day, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I like SpongeBob as an adult. Yeah, SpongeBob they made for both the kids and the parents. Do you remember Schoolhouse Rock? I used to love that. The music, it was the best. It all plays back to the music, right? It's so important. Yes. It really enhances the memory of like yes. what it made you feel like watching it. For so sure. Christian, you're, I was going to say you're you're good for life. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of already happening because uh, one of my most successful songs, Unity, it was released in 2014. And it recently that one reached 200 million place and when i posted that I, hey we have 200 million plays so many people were like oh this is the song of my childhood or this is what what i grew up with and such nostalgic feelings when i hear the song so yeah that's that's an amazing part of my my job what country listens to your music the most or is it just pretty much worldwide and everybody's listening to it the same it's very much worldwide and absolute numbers is still the u.s uh it's like 16 percent that's the biggest in relative numbers it's vietnam i have the highest density of listeners in vietnam i also have a lot of listeners in china which i don't know the exact numbers because you don't get that much data out of china but it's those three countries are the like the biggest ones but it's very kind of evenly distributed other than that around the world can i use it for like a tiktok background or like you know how there's free yeah. songs available like on youtube and stuff is that your stuff yeah, you can use it. You can use it on TikTok. Like in TikTok, you have it directly. You say, hey, you just type in, uh, like you search for music, you type in the fat red, you find like most all of my songs. Um, but you can also download it and use it, for example, for your YouTube uh, video and just use it and you will not get a copyright claim. Well, that's good to know. Thank yeah. you. We appreciate that. Thank you for listening, everybody. I'm going to go through everybody's websites one more time or how to find people just in case you want to get all these people or buy their products. Christian Butner, it's B-U-T-T-N-E-R, and he has the two little dots above the U. So if you go to YouTube, you find the fat rat. And it's, believe me, I listen to this. It's definitely worth going and listening. And if you are a creator, he is so generous. You should definitely look at his music. It's amazing. Sounds good. And then we had Dana Hill Robinson with Coco Teak. So her website is www.cocotique.com. Subscription boxes of beauty products for women of color. And everything is, she's tested it herself and it's free shipping. Give yourself a present. And then Teresa Davis with Cover Me Clean. It's covermeclean.com. The next time you have to travel and sit in a dirty seat, you're going to want one of these. And if you have a kid with a car seat, you're definitely going to want one of these. You can find them on her website, covermeclean.com, also on Amazon, and they'll be coming to a Walmart site soon, too. Yeah, and I would say Teresa's got you covered. And um, Kenya Gibson is our media maven. Thank you, Kenya. And of course, Richard Gearhart of gearheartlaw.com. Any of your intellectual property needs? Yeah, absolutely. And it's time to go. But before we sign off, I'd like to thank our guests. Wonderful show. To our listeners, thank you for listening. We'll be back again with another episode of Passage to Profit at this station. And of course, we can't forget to thank our team, our producer, Noah Fleischman, our program coordinator, Alicia Morrissey, and our syndication manager, Mark Wilson. And we'll be back again next week with another exciting episode of Passage to Profit. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Twitter. And remember, while the opinions rendered here are believed correct, never take any legal steps without first contacting your attorney. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt signing off. Mm -hmm.